the official podcast of FCS Fans Nation with your hosts, Kyler Neal, Matthew Frazee, and Jamie Williams. FCS Fans Nation. A real playoff system took us from about 120 plus teams down to 24. And this turkey weekend, those 24 teams got chopped, just like that beautiful turkey of yours, down to 16. And now we look forward to the possibility of the Elite Eight. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the FCS Fans Nation podcast. One of your hosts, Matt Frazee, the unbiased Bison admin, joined as always by Jamie Williams, Kyler Neal. Welcome back to the original formatting of fan questions guiding our podcast, folks. After two amazing mock specials and selection show Sundays, we are back to our normal format and we are here to talk tonight about first round reaction from this last week of the FCS playoffs and looking forward to round two. Welcome to the seated teams. All right, Mr. Kyler Neal, how are you feeling this evening as it is Sunday when we are recording as your team was one of them on the field? How are you feeling, buddy? Anytime you win, you feel good. It was a different game, and maybe we'll get into that in the future because I have not seen your little podcast schedule, so we'll see. Uh, but man, yeah, I, I feel pretty good. Now it's on the way to Missoula. Missoula, we coming. Yeah, a little bit of smack talk. Might talk well, about some board material yeah. there. Yeah, bulletin board material. <laughs> put it up, put it up. Uh, now is the time for bulletin board material, motivation, and everything that folks love to use to try to get that extra edge over teams as we enter round two of the FCS playoffs. So, guys, without any further ado, Jamie, let's just kick right into it. Sorry not to give you your time, my man, but let's go right into the big seven because we got some big topics to discuss. It's playoff time, baby. Here we go. The top seven FCS topics of the week. This is the Big Seven. All right, Jamie and Kyler. Big Seven time, our biggest seven questions that we found from our fans. And let's start off really simple with just some reaction of this last weekend. Obviously, round one just kicked off of the FCS playoffs. We had three games which you could probably just label as blowouts or kind of snorefests. But we had some five really great contests between the FCS teams in round one. And let's start off with a little bit of reaction with Mr. Jacob Martinez, an awesome Kennesaw State fan. Jacob, congratulations to your Owls this weekend getting a victory. And Jacob wants to know, aside from the one upset, were any of the round one scores surprising to you all? So maybe some of us think there were more upsets. But Jamie, as you watch those games play out, ESPN Plus, good formatting, good spacing in between these games. Was anything surprising to you outside of what maybe folks are saying is UT Martin, Missouri State? From a results standpoint, no, not really. Um, I was impressed with uh, Eastern Washington holding Northern Iowa to nine points. I thought that was was good. Uh, surprising, no. Uh, Holy Cross only winning by three. That was a great finish to that game. Overtime and Incarnate Word, Stephen of Austin. Sorry, Rev, but I mean, that was a phenomenal game back and forth. Uh, enjoyed the games, but surprised by anything other than UT Martin. I can't say that I was was surprised by anything that I saw. 
I mean, honestly, you were more critical of um, of Florida A&M than most folks, but I actually kind of edgy trying to get the edge in the playoff bracket challenge. I did pick them to win. I was surprised of the result being such a blowout in that contest. Um, stats can be deceiving, especially when you look at just like total offense, total defense, of course, digging into like strength of competition and who your opponents are matters, of course. But, you know, Florida A&M, um, the Rattlers to have such a good total defense, total offense kind of number. I figured it would be somewhat of a fight. I, I, in my gut of guts, as I wrote down uh, the Rattlers to win that game, I was thinking eh, it's probably going to be southeastern Louisiana. But hey, let's try to get a gambler's edge on people. But I didn't expect them to get absolutely destroyed. So that one to me was surprising. Um, I was also surprised about Eastern Washington's effort defensively. Like talk about um, Kyler said that they have been undervalued, underrated throughout the season. But to kind of win that slugfest contest and that final score of only being 10 points, I think, what was it, 19 to 9 or something was the final. And I mean, that to me was very surprising. But overall, just like you said, Jamie, game result wise, really the UT Martin one was the one that popped off the page. So Kyler, uh, any other results where you're just kind of like, whoa, baby, that one was crazy. It's I think it's pretty awesome that Eastern Washington, the big fluffy team, if you will, um, they held you and I to uh, seven points, really, right? At the very end, we did this weird, we forced a safety of our own team to try and punt, or I mean, to, you know, actually kick off a little bit further because how we were going to punt, maybe they would have got on the inside of our 50. So it was a weird strategic play, but we held them to seven points. So I was pretty happy. And we left like 11 to 17 points off of our side of the ball. So th- it was a complete kind of domination so that's what i was surprised at because i thought it was going to be a three-point swing either way you and i is tough but how the game actually played out we all physicaled one of the more physical valley teams um now their score doesn't indicate that or their record doesn't indicate it but you and i think we're all aware how physical they are so i like that um but i was pretty surprised with the south dakota southern illinois um now yes maybe i was overvaluing south dakota in their Last second Hail Mary win against South Dakota State, where probably South Dakota State did that to themselves. They could have, you know, punted the ball and South Dakota doesn't get that win. But I was surprised in how Southern Illinois, yes, they only won by 12. It looked like they were just absolutely dominating South Dakota the whole game. That Like the score doesn't indicate what actually happened in that game. Southern Illinois looked fantastic. And it seemed like at the end of the season, they were on this downward trend where you're like, they look super beatable. They looked really dang impressive in that first game. And then the only other one that I want to, you know, mention is um, yeah, I I was surprised. UT Martin. I, I thought this was a blowout game. I thought Missouri State being the second team from the Valley, second place team in the standings. I really thought they were going to blow out UT Martin. I didn't think it was going to be a 17-ish point game or anything like that. But guess what? UT Martin, they came back, they ended up winning. Uh, that was a hell of a performance, and that was my most shocking for sure. Yeah, I would have to throw in um, the Rev's going to hate me. I didn't have faith in Stephen F. Austin the way uh, the Rev and others did. Um, honestly, like I, I was reading Dustin's tweets and I was getting excited, like thinking about the prospect of his team, like going up against Incarnate Word. But I thought Ward and Incarnate Word would just, you know, kind of outscore them. I was so impressed by Gibson, the play of that wide receiver for SFA. He was a beast. I was impressed by the composure of that young, young squad. I, I expected Incarnate Word to more 
or less roll and, you know, roll to at least like a 10 to 14 point victory. But for that game to go to overtime, that was pretty surprising to me as well. I can tell you by the bracket challenge results, lots of people were surprised that Sacred Heart almost beat Holy Cross. The Holy Cross was picked a ton by people. So I think that could have been a shocker if Sacred Heart had won that game as well. Um, but Kyler, it is interesting on your point with Southern Illinois and South Dakota. You could argue SDSU is the only really big impressive thing for both of those squads. Like SIU losing to Youngstown, barely beating UND, beating Western Illinois by one, USD getting destroyed by NDSU. But they each beat South Dakota State, you know, in really close games. So that was kind of the battle of those those uh, those two right there. For sure. Yeah, uh, it, the Valley's weird. The <laughs> Valley is say. weird. And we're going to get into that Valley next. But before we move away, Jacob, hopefully that we'll see how that aligns with your own personal thoughts. But overall, in terms of a results, just like Jamie said, UT Martin for sure, the big shocker. And then just maybe some odd scores or more competitive than we thought. So, um, and kudos to Kyler. He also did call for a long time that nobody was really giving credit to. He did say that South Dakota State was going to blast UC Davis. So kudos to you. Golf clap, Kyler. You got that one right for sure. That's why I'm wearing our um, team of the games hat this week. Got an awesome hat from the Splitting Hairs guys. Um, So go check out their podcast on our YouTube network or, you know, wherever you want to listen to the Splitting Hairs podcast. But this is one of the coolest hats. So uh, thank you guys. Even as a Bison fan, I got to say, that is a dope hat. So very cool. All right, moving on from Mr. Martinez. Thank you for that question, sir. Bruce Edmiston and Peter Mooney, they kind of tag team this question in two different ways. Uh, Bruce Edmiston said, how many Valley teams lost in the first round? Uh, Throwing a little troll comment there. But he says, and which one should not have gotten an at-large bid? And then Peter says, let's stir the pot a little bit. 2018 CAA and the current Missouri Valley both had six teams in and both had rough first rounds. Are they comparable? Is the Valley getting a pass for their performance? So between Bruce and Peter, let's kind of discuss that, guys. What should we be looking at the Missouri Valley now? As if you look at the results from the first round, obviously there had to be a loser between SIU and USD. Missouri State, though, going down to UT Martin was a big time upset. And then you and I losing to Eastern Washington. So one winner in a head-to-head matchup and then three losers. What's kind of your takeaway, Jamie, when you look at what, you know, your the CAA, which you were formerly a part of, kind of got torn apart in 2018. Does the Valley deserve that same sort of hate at this point? No, not even close. I mean, it, if you think back to 2018, I mean, the the closest game there that for, that we could compare to this, this year, I mean, if you want to talk about uh, Missouri State losing to Tennessee Martin, I mean, yeah, Austin P. Uh, beat somebody. I think it was Stony Brook. No, that was Southeast Missouri State beat Stony Brook. But when you talk about the CAA, Towson lost to Duquesne. Full stop. So what Valley team should not have gotten a bid? How does this compare? I don't think it compares at all. Um, The Valley outside of Missouri State, the results lined up to what you kind of thought they were going to be. So that doesn't shock me um, at all. Um, there's still a couple of Valley teams left. They're good teams. Um, one of them's going to lose this week. Obviously you've got a head to head matchup, uh, who shouldn't have gotten a bid. I can't say, like I said, the committee did a good job. If any of those bubble teams had one Florida A&M and, um, probably Northern Iowa get left out, but William and Mary spit the bit Rhode Island 
just like Joe DeLeon falling off a scooter. They they uh, fit the bit. And uh, go check out Joe's uh, Twitter if you want to see that. Pretty funny. So you can't leave anybody out. How do you, you can't look back in hindsight and say, oh, this team should have been left out because they lost. And I said the same thing in 2018. You can't look back and say, oh, well, this four teams lost, so none of them deserve to be there. Well, they did. They had the regular season, and you can't boil the regular season down to one game, in my opinion. Um, I think there's more question marks about some of the CAA teams uh, in 18, but I, I can't argue with any of the Valley teams that got included this year. Yeah, when you look back at the 2018 CAA, uh, you had James Madison defeat Delaware, so that's a head-to-head. So you're going to have to have a loser there. Towson lost to Duquesne 31-10. to uh, Simo had beat Stony Brook 28-14. to And that's what kind of kicked off the whole, holy moly, how bad is it? Um, well, and Wofford kicked the crap out of Elon. Oh, that's right. Yep. So have that one as well. Yep, Wofford beat Elon. So the CAA really got kicked. The thing I have to ask people within this regards is I'm not defending the Valley. You guys know me. I don't really, I, I think the conference jaw jacking during playoffs, you've heard me say is one of the dumbest things. But the question I would ask is who prior to yesterday thought Missouri State should not be in the field? There's no way out of a thousand FCS fans, maybe two raise their hands, right? Okay. So Missouri State deserved to be in the playoff field. Um, whether it was you and I, Florida A&M with nine wins. Um, let's say Mercer. Mercer, who a lot of people thought should be in. Which one of those teams is going to keep it within 10 points at Eastern Washington? Like, I, I I don't think many. You know, Eastern Washington had an FBS win, arguably could have been seeded. They were going to beat anybody who was going to go in there most likely, right? Unless it's like South Dakota State or some crazy matchup. So the question really is, is, should we have left one of them out? Your only argument really is you and I, right? Because they had six wins. Maybe that should be something we should look at. But if you want to replace them with Mercer, how much better does Mercer or some of these other teams do at Eastern Washington? So I don't think it's comparable to CAA because there was such a slaughter. I mean, outside of what you could say is a power three. Uh, but I don't think it's a good showing either. That Missouri State loss is pretty bad. So kudos to OVC and the Skyhawks. Kyler, are we crazy here, or or what are you thinking with the the valley right now? Yeah, it's it's pretty tough to compare the CA debacle in 2018 to what the valley did this year. Yes, the valley lost some games. They were supposed to lose some of these games, so that's that's not anything different. I don't think any of the CA teams were supposed to lose. And how they lost? Wofford beat the crap out of them, 12 points. Towson lost to Duquesne by 21 points. It wasn't competitive. Semo beat the crap out of Stony Brook. I mean, those are not supposed to happen where you're looking at really the only bad loss. Missouri State by one point, okay, against an OVC champion. But like Matt said, the second place Valley team, they were supposed to get in. So that was supposed to be deserving. Then you see South Dakota. Now, maybe their resume, uh, you can kind of see where there's potentially flaws. And maybe that's why they were propped up a little bit more. I think they are very talented, but they played another really strong Valley team who has a lot of good playoff wins as well. So you're looking at that. The Valleys deserve to be in. And then, yeah, Northern Iowa. Not many teams on the bubble would have hung in with Eastern Washington. Now, we made it probably closer than it deserved to be. But Northern Iowa is a tough team. They also still have three playoff wins. I think if anything, this shows it's not the Valley didn't deserve six teams. I think if anything, this shows is maybe UC Davis shouldn't have been a playoff team. 
um uc davis from the big sky now i thought they were gonna get blown out by south dakota state because south dakota state's good but when you're looking at uc davis resume yes they have an fbs win in the very beginning of the year they had their eight wins but they got killed by every playoff team that they played um they they got killed by sac state it wasn't competitive they got killed by eastern washington it wasn't competitive and now they just got killed by south dakota state it wasn't competitive they played three playoff caliber teams this year and they got blown out in each one so I think if anything, it shows, hey, maybe we're overvaluing some of these FBS wins. Maybe we're overvaluing some of these Pioneer League wins when some teams get Pioneer League wins uh, because those are non-scholarship teams. But I don't think the CA, the CA did really bad in 2018. They didn't even live up to remotely close expectations. Missouri Valley outside of one team did what the Missouri Valley was supposed to do. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not the same. Yeah, Missouri State is really the foot stomper, and I'm on repeat mode here, but if Missouri State, let's just say they had won, let's hypothetically say they won yesterday. I mean, is anybody talking about the Valley? Because everybody expected you and I to lose. The only pe- Valley homers were the ones who thought you and I was going to go beat Eastern Washington. Rah, rah, we're the Valley, we're tough, blah, 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 a bunch of junk, right? Those are the only folks who remotely thought that. And 95% of people were thinking Eastern Washington, right? So... And I know that from brackets, but uh, that is a big disappointment for Missouri State. And uh, it's a different topic. And you'll probably hear us talk about it in preseasons and, and other times. But, you know, maybe six teams from one conference isn't such a good idea. Maybe it just doesn't work out very well. But that's a different topic for a different day. Um, last thing I just want to say is just like in the spring, this is why I think it's so dumb. It's like this conference should have never got this. They're so bad. And then everything will change next week. I remember when this the Valley was trash after the quarters in the spring because there was two CAA teams left. And then both those CAA teams lost. And then they were like, well, South Dakota State's going to win the title. Valley's the best. And then Sam Houston won the title. So it's like, come on now. Like, let's just let it play out. Let's have some foresight and let's just see what happens at the end. Okay. So, and I'm not making excuses for the Valley. If you want my bias bison hat on, I hope all the Valley teams lose, but NDSU. So there you go. Um, I'll let you, that's my kind of final thoughts on it. So, all right, guys, let's move away from kind of some reactionary stuff in round one. And let's kind of look down the line a little bit. Everybody, of course, likes a little bit of predictions and we will start with, um, Dustin Perman and Evan Wilson. These guys kind of had a combination question. Uh, Dustin Perman wants to know about a breakdown of Sacramento state and South Dakota state going against each other. And then Evan Wilson was talking about how the fourth best Missouri Valley team, SDSU, just doubled up the fifth best Big Sky team. Um, he said the Jacks had six picks. They ran for 400 rushing yards. He wants to know what all of that means. So, um, Kyler, I'll let you start this one out in terms of what that win over UC Davis means for South Dakota State. And then I'd love for a roundtable discussion, guys, here of what do we think of this is might be the most intriguing matchup next week. Um, what do you think, Kyler? I think what it means is South Dakota State's pretty good. I mean, I mean, if you're going to beat North Dakota State, you're a pretty good team. Um, but we saw UC Davis struggle against run running teams. South Dakota State has a really good running back duo, right? Um, they may be the best or second best team in the FCS in terms of a rushing duo. You have ETSU and South Dakota State. So they were able to capitalize. Um, and then UC Davis... Seemed like they were not able to throw the ball very well either. South Dakota State is extremely good. I don't think this shows up too much besides, like I just said, maybe 
we were overvaluing UC Davis because they've now played three playoff caliber teams and they've been blown out in every single one of them. So it maybe it just means that they are not as competitive. They're kind of leaning on that Weber state win when Weber state was on their third string quarterback. Probably that has something to do with why they won by two points. Um, I'm sure if Weber state was a little healthier, Weber state would probably be in the playoffs and not UC Davis. And I don't think this type of a performance happens because Weber State's defense is a little bit better than UC Davis's. But um, I don't think it proves much besides South Dakota State. They're a true semifinal threat. And then UC Davis, they were going to get beat by a lot of teams in the field. And what what's uh, what, what should fans expect about this South Dakota State-Sacramento State? I almost feel like we know South Dakota State, right? Tucker Craft, beast tight end, awesome quarterback play they've gotten, the 605 Hogs, their offensive line is beastly defensive line and their secondary is healthy now um two-headed running back attack everyone's like south dakota state so strong so good but really kyler everybody is totally downplaying sacramento state right everybody yeah. is thinking this is the team that's going to get beat they shouldn't they're going to get destroyed what an easy draw for sdsu i mean what are some of the factors why are people thinking that as they're a four seed from the big sky um i mean people are probably thinking that way just because for one, Sac State still doesn't have the name brand recognition, right? Uh, it wasn't that long ago while Sac State was the bottom of the barrel Big Sky team or close to it. Um, now, since Troy Taylor's taken over, he's he you know he spent a year at Eastern Washington in 2016. You guys may have heard of a guy named Gage Gubrud. He threw the ball pretty well, and Troy Taylor might have had a little bit of help to do with that walk-on Gage Gubrud. He's a great offensive mind. One of the things that Sac State does well, and the coach admits this, is Troy Taylor, their head coach, says, I don't know defense. I'm not calling defensive plays. I'm not working anything with defense. And their defensive coordinator, he puts all the trust in their defensive coordinator, which is something pretty special. He says he's 100% hands-off. So you are looking at one guy is controlling 100% the offense. Then you have a DC who's controlling 100% the defense, almost acting like a two-headed coach monster. But what Sac State does very well is they adapt. We may have seen this Sac State versus UNI game because a lot of people were referring to that, why UNI would be Eastern, because they beat the big Sky champs and they throttled them. Well, Sac State, that beginning of the year, they were running with a quarterback they had no clue who could throw the ball. So they were using Asher O'Hara. He threw 53 times in that first game. After that game, this is the brilliance of Troy Taylor. He says, nope, you're not going to be throwing the ball anymore. We're going to go with Dunaway who is now their throwing quarterback and O'Hara is coming in for running options. And they do a really good job with a split quarterback. They play good defense, especially on the rushing side of the ball. They're going to be one of the better rushing defensive teams that Sac State will see in that bracket until they hit maybe a, a Villanova or something like that, because Villanova is elite at rushing defense. And then they're going to confuse you with that offensive play with two different quarterbacks. I still don't think they're going to compare very well with Sac's uh, South Dakota State. I still think this is going to be probably a 14 to 17 point game with South Dakota State. Um, but Sac State can cause some problems. They they can with the difference in the QBs that they're using. They have pretty good running backs, pretty good wide receivers, but they do have a really strong defense for at least the rushing attack. Passing defense, they're okay. They're okay, but uh, their strong suit goes in their basically their front seven and their linebacking crew. And that's the only way to start against South Dakota State. If you're going to have any chance to beat them, you're going to have to try to contain, and good luck with try, Pierre Strong and Isaiah Davis. That's going to be your first start 
Uh, Jamie, before I get your thoughts on this, my man, breaking into some total offense, according to the FCS to the NCAA, um, South Sacramento State total offense is ninth and South Dakota State is 10th. And then when you look at total defense, Sacramento State is 21st overall. South Dakota State is 29th. Um, the extra cool little stat I wanted to look up is rushing defense. Um, and in rushing defense, Sacramento State is 21st. South Dakota State is 12th. So <laughs> something's got to give here. These teams are very comparable. It's just like you don't know who's actually, are those stats deceiving? What are we looking at? Jamie, what is your kind of breakdown of this matchup? And do you see it being close? Do you see it being a blowout again? What are we looking at? Well, you just took the luster off of half of what I was going to say. Oh, I still Because that's story. where I was going. <laughs> but I do have a couple of things. If you remember, I did a full ex extensive power, power ranking. We'll call it a power ranking of all the teams in the playoffs. So I've got some of this at hand, and these numbers are for last week. So thank you, Matt, for the updated there. So what you showed is how tight those teams are there. Here's where I think we might have a little bit of a, a deciding factor in the game. And it's, it's in two um, fairly critical areas. Third down offense. South Dakota State before last week was 33rd the nation uh, converting. Sacramento State only 69. Um, defensively, though, um, Sacramento State, 95th in getting off the field. But also, South Dakota State was 73rd. So, who can move the chains on third down is going to be key. Also in the red zone is another advantage for South Dakota State. Coming into last week, they were 12th in red zone efficiency, whereas Sacramento State was 47th. Uh, but defensively, Sacramento State is 8th in red zone defense, and South Dakota State was 14th. So red zone and third down, if you want to look at two things other than turnovers, which I think we can all agree turnovers are key. Whoever wins that battle probably – wins the game most most of the time. Uh, but if you want to focus on a couple of specific spots in the game, outside of, you know, offense versus defense, look at third down, look at red zone. So whoever can tilt the field in their favor in those two areas will win the game. And it's going to be so interesting. I just think it's going to be two teams where you think you know everything about South Dakota State and like we think we know we know how good they are right everybody knows with south dakota state and then the other side there's just this team where people think they know but do we right like if sacramento state wins that game everyone's gonna go oh shoot okay maybe we undervalued them a bit but if they get walked all over people will be like oh yeah that's what we said south dakota state easy draw so we'll have to see how it goes and the winner undoubtedly will play villanova based off their matchup so that's going to be very interesting um, we'll have some predictions on this game, guys, moving forward. But those are some key factors to pay attention to. Um, thank you again for that question, uh, Mr. Dustin and Evan Wilson. So, all right, guys, getting more into some predictions here. Jake Thompson, Brandon Owens roughly had the same question for us. But they want to know how many seeds are likely to lose in round two. So we're going to get to some total game predictions here at the end. We'll predict every single game. But, Jamie, as you look into the seeds here, Who's kind of maybe, who should be nervous? What fan bases should be nervous moving forward? Uh, yeah, so obviously we've got eight seeds. Uh, Villanova should not be nervous. They are going to destroy Holy Cross. So Villanova, enjoy the extra bye week. But who should be nervous? Clearly, Montana should be nervous. They've already lost to Eastern Washington, and I know it's hard to lose 
you know, to beat a team twice in the same season. I'm sure Aaron Best is telling the team, don't worry about what we already did. It's a completely different atmosphere. It's Wagres, it's the playoffs, it's it's December. But it's still Eastern Washington, it's still Eric Berrier. So Montana uh, could be one of those teams. Um, East Tennessee State. Kennesaw State is rolling at the right time. Xavier Shepard is playing phenomenally. He leads the entire FCS in rushing touchdowns. I believe he's up to 23. Um, so East Tennessee State, that's going to be a, a good game. They, I'm not going to say you know who's going to win that game until later. And then, of course, we've talked about Sacramento State with uh, South Dakota State being healthy and, and coming in there. So those would be the three teams I would say would be on upset alert um, coming into the, into the weekend. Um, I'm not going to say everybody else cruises, but I'd say the rest of the seeds, I, I think those will kind of carry through. I feel like, um, do you think Southern Illinois and NDSU is an interesting game? Just because... Southern Illinois is a seasoned cast. They this is not some young, young new USD team that we saw two weeks ago coming to the Fargo Dome. Um, now Southern Illinois, um, they obviously killed North Dakota State in the spring, but that's very different circumstances, different teams, different quarterback play. Um, but I honestly think that one is going to be quite an intriguing matchup. I, I'm not going to just go out on a limb and say Southern Illinois is going to win, but I don't think NDSU fans should just be like, oh, whatever. This is San Diego coming into here. I yeah, think they know this is going to be a, a blood bloody, you know, hit them in the mouth kind of fight, don't you think? I, I do. I, th- I think that that's got a chance to be a really good game, and it, it sounds like a cop out, but uh, you know, ask me at the end of the third quarter. Um, <laughs> right. You know, it's one of those things that if it's within a score, then Southern Illinois, like you said, they're they're a seasoned team. They got a lot of veteran leadership on that team. Um, I don't know Nick Baker. I think he's a sophomore, maybe. I could be wrong. But, I mean, Javon Williams, they've got guys that have been there and done that a little bit, uh, played a lot of games, um, took South Dakota State to the brink in the spring, beat North Dakota State in the spring. So they know how to do it. So if they come into the fourth quarter with a chance, um, I think people in the, in the Dome are going to be, you know, a little nervous. But I think they could also lean back on what they've done for the last 11 years and say, you know, I think we can hold on to this. Yeah. So if we look at Montana as being a team, we say it should be nervous because Eastern obviously beat them and they're a good team. Um, Kennesaw being so good in the playoffs at times, you know, that style matchup is good. North Dakota State SIU. Um, really the one questionable one, I'll give this to you, Kyler. Do you think Sam Houston should be worried about Incarnate Word or do you think that's just one that's going to go according to plan? I think it's going to go according to plan. Um, last time they played in the spring, I mean, again, there, there's different circumstances with it. But last time they sp- played in the spring, it was a complete blowout. I think it was like 40-something points to 14 Ward. Now, he really struggled throwing the ball that day. But, of course, that was a freshman Ward, right? Uh, or, or sophomore, whatever. I forget with the years what they're doing with all the players. Um, he looks more poised. He looks really good in the pocket. He looks like he's willing to take advantage of things. But I think overall, just Sam Houston's a little bit too good. Where Incarnate Word, great offense. I think they're going to put up more points than they did last time. I think they're not only going to be held to 14 points. But we'll probably see maybe like a 34 to 21 point game or 34 to, um, or maybe even 38 to 24, something like that, where I think Sam Houston will win comfortably, but it's going to be closer than it was in the spring. But if you're asking like how many seeds are going to lose, I'm guessing probably two seeds lose. 
out of the eight, I think that's a really realistic number. I think there's about four teams who potentially could be on up, upset alert. I think you have to look at Kennesaw State, East Tennessee State, like you guys all mentioned. You have to look at South Dakota State versus Sac State. You have to look at Eastern Washington versus Montana. And then I will say, just because of what happened a little bit in the spring, maybe Southern Illinois is feeling a little bit confident coming into this. Now, do I think that they'll beat North Dakota State? Probably not. But there are some intriguing question marks to that game where like I see Southeastern Louisiana versus James Madison, Holy Cross versus Villanova, and Incarnate Word versus Sam Houston State, even UT Martin versus Montana State. I don't think those are going to be as questionable games, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's really well said. And I think that's where most people's mindsets are going to be. Um, I hate to keep relying on people's gambling and prediction with our bracket challenge, but that kind of shows as well where people nobody's picking Villanova to get upset this weekend, but they get kind of curious around that Kennesaw ETSU range. So um, guys, right from that question, we roll right into Keith Hooper's because it works so well. What is the matchup you're looking forward to most this weekend? So whoo, a little bit of an opinion question here. It doesn't need to be anything too crazy. And uh, I'm going to, I'm going to set a little stipulation here. You can't pick your own team's matchup and, uh, you can't repeat, okay? No repeats. So, and I'll, Jamie, why don't you? You're on top here on the YouTube screen. If you guys are watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe if you haven't. And uh, Jamie, your pick first, man. Who? What matchup are you looking forward to this weekend? Um, I am looking forward to Kennesaw State, East Tennessee State, and I think that's going to be just a, a slugfest on both sides of the line, on both sides of the ball. You know, Kennesaw State's going to run the ball because it's a triple option team. Like I said a little bit ago, Xavier Shepard is just ascending, uh, becoming a star. East Tennessee State, Quay Holmes, my uh, uh, number two on my ballot for the Walter Payton Award, along with Jacob Sailors in that backfield. Uh, they got a little bit more passing game, two strong defenses. East Tennessee State has seen the triple option. So they're they're not going to be super surprised by some of the things Kennesaw does because they see it from the Citadel. They see it from Wofford. Sometimes they see it from Furman. So they see the triple option, which a lot of teams in the playoffs that, that see Kennesaw State on the other side of the field haven't seen before. So East Tennessee State, Randy Sanders, who on my Eddie Robinson ballot, I put number one, will have his team ready to play that triple option. Kennesaw State, their defense has been suffocating. Like I said, I don't have to talk about Shepard anymore. This is going to be a really fun game to watch in the trenches. Uh, if you like hard-hitting football, Put your eyes on this game. Awesome. I'm glad I said no repeats and we can't take each other's because now I got to think of a new one. So, <laughs> Kyler, what do you got, my man? Which one is your most uh, intriguing matchup? What are you looking forward to this weekend? I mean, I think, of course, since I can't pick my own, um, I think Southeastern Louisiana versus James Madison is a very interesting one. Now, I know I just kind of contradicted what I said last question where I don't think it's going to be as competitive. But this is going to be a question or why I want to see this game is because you have Cole Kelly, right? Absolute beast, the a high flying offense. They, he's been able to do it all. But then also you have James Madison, who last time we saw them play, maybe a true dual threat quarterback was Trey Lance, right? At least that, that's my assumption. Maybe I'm a little bit wrong on that, but that's like the last true dual threat quarterback we've seen. Now, I'm not saying Cole Kelly is Trey Lance by any means. But that dude can run the ball. Look at his rushing touchdowns. Look at his rushing yards. Plus, he can sling it. So this is also going to be an interesting matchup because let's say my team somehow gets past Montana. We're most likely playing James Madison 
or southeastern Louisiana. I mean, that's not most likely. That is what will happen. So I want to see how James Madison adapts with a Cole Kelly type of quarterback. Um, I'm not too nervous on James Madison scoring against southeastern Louisiana. That's why I think the game becomes too much for southeastern Louisiana to handle. But I'm more trying to see with this defense from James Madison because I also haven't seen a lot because of flow. Flow sucks. I would like to see what James Madison's able to do with an offense that, you know, Southeastern Louisiana has and what they're able to do specifically to Cole Kelly. Oh, that's going to be a fun one. on the uh, Trey Lance, by the way. <laughs> and sure. you're welcome. James is like, what did I do to you? Um, guys, Keith says he's really intrigued by Southeastern Louisiana versus JMU and Eastern at Montana. Um, to me, I, I'm just going right back to that South Dakota State, Sac State, just because I think, once again, everybody, including myself, we think we know who South Dakota State is, and we also think we know who Sac State is, but I'm not sure if that's going to be the narrative. Um, I also think it's going to be a lot more difficult for SDSU once they start hitting the road and hitting these top-tier teams um, in the playoffs. So I'm very intrigued by that one to see if Sac State gets blown out or just beat because that's what everybody's just predicting. So I want to see how they look on the field, because the last time they were in the playoffs, they were the four seed, and they got upset. So it'll be interesting to see if that happens to them again. Should be fun. So um, speaking on that offense of Southeastern Louisiana, James Madison, uh, Mr. Kia Wilson has one here for you, Jamie. You're a stats voter. You're a Dukes fan. Which Cole is better, he says, Johnson or Kelly? Great question, Keo. Well worded. So, Mr. Williams, which Cole is actually better as they are both having outstanding, phenomenal passing athletic academic seasons? So what do you got, my man? Cole Johnson, of course. I mean, he, he's thrown somewhere in the range of 250 passes, less than 260 passes, fewer than than Cole Kelly. So, I mean, Cole Kelly has to be that that whole offense. Cole worked within his offense. But the big difference there, Cole, two interceptions on the season. Cole Johnson. Cole Kelly, not two. So, you know, Cole Johnson protects the ball a lot better. Uh, he only runs when he needs to. So, you know, he, he has played almost perfect all year. Uh, like I said two interceptions. One came back for a touchdown against New Hampshire. The other one was against Delaware. Didn't hurt him. Um, but he's so smart and understands offense. You can see him slide in the pocket. He knows when to run. Uh, doesn't take a ton of sacks, uh, even with a young offensive line. Got a couple of receivers on the outside that he trusts. And, uh, yeah, Cole Johnson, obviously. Going with Mr. Johnson. Kyler, is he crazy, man? Is it, isn't it the Walter Payton guy clearly the better quarterback here or, or what? I, I think Cole Johnson higher than Kelly. <laughs> yeah, you, you did. Um <laughs> Here's the deal. Cole Johnson is playing phenomenal this year. He's a super efficient. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He does what JMU needs him to do, and he exceeds even what JMU needs him to do. The difference, what I'm going to say is, because obviously we all think JMU's whole roster is better than Southeastern Louisiana. We can try and argue it. We can try and deny it. All of us would say the defense is way more elite. Their offensive line is bigger. Their wide receivers are talented. Their running backs are way better. If you had Cole Kelly in JMU's lineup, JMU would be pretty dang successful. If you put Cole Johnson in southeastern Louisiana, can he do the same things that Cole Kelly can do? Can you rely on him to make all the plays that you need to make to end up winning those games or winning those shootouts? Potentially. But I will just go a little bit with what we've already kind of seen 
Cole Kelly, 6'7", an 8 million pound beast. He is bigger than your lineman. He is a true NFL caliber player. He's going to get picked up by the NFL. Just from his sheer size and his stats alone, it's almost a no-brainer. He's going to be an NFL quarterback. Will he ever play? No clue. I'm not going to try and deep dive into that one. But what I will say is I think there's not many quarterbacks who can get put up in southeastern Louisiana and dominate the way that he has with their roster compared to I think you can be very efficient in James Madison. I'm going to lean towards Cole Kelly right now. Um, but again, Cole Johnson has played phenomenal all year. Any team outside of maybe southeastern Louisiana or eastern Washington would take Cole Johnson over at the quarterback that they have. It's going to be like um, Carson Wentz or Easton Stick on a you know one of these teams where the team is going to probably win and dominate, and they'll play a team like Sam Houston did with Jeremiah Briscoe and blow the living crap out of them. But Jeremiah Briscoe is a heck of a quarterback. It is a tough comparison to make. James Madison likely wins the game. And then afterwards, everyone goes, Cole, Cole Johnson is better. But Cole Johnson also has JMU with an amazing supporting cast. And that's not to downplay Southeastern Louisiana. They got some ballers, I will say, on the offensive side. Um, but we will see how their defense holds up. That's It's going to be fun to just see the stat line at the end of it, right? Like, will Cole Johnson have to match Kelly? Will that be required? Or will JMU's defense be so suffocating that the run game will be efficient and he just has to do the passing efficiency thing? Or as Jamie said, they've had some running struggles. Will they have to rely on Cole Johnson and James Madison? Because maybe Southeastern Louisiana steps up and stops the run. I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be a fun, intriguing matchup. Um, I, I think you naturally have to lean towards Cole Kelly as the better quarterback, just based off of the factors that Kyler said. So sorry, Jamie, we're going to downplay your guy. You're outgunned two to one, but I think you'll be happier at the end of Saturday, don't you think? Hey, the final score is all that matters. <laughs> and we will have those final scores in the prediction segment here at the end, guys. Um, last one of our big seven here, guys, comes from Noah Brandemir. Um, Noah, I'm probably saying your last name wrong, so I apologize. But he says, what two games are the easiest for seeded teams and what two will be the hardest? So I think we kind of hit this a little bit, but if you had to only select two, where do we kind of look at? Um, I'll just knock out one of the easiest ones right here. Villanova and Holy Cross is the easiest game, right, guys? We got the head nods. Villanova is going to crush Holy Cross. Congratulations, Holy Cross. First playoff win ever at the FCS level. Kudos to you. That last second, uh, 14 seconds left on the clock. Hail Mary pass was amazing. So good job. Unfortunately, Villanova is going to end your season coming up here. So Nova definitely got an easy draw there. And then that upset of... Missouri State, um, I just don't see Tennessee Martin going to Montana State and uh, being very competitive. That might be like when Austin P ended up going to Montana State after beating Sac State. Maybe it's closer than we ex expect, but uh, Montana State should come out of that one pretty easily. So um, Montana State, Villanova, an easy one, but there's a lot of tough ones here. Kyler, is Montana having the toughest scenario there with Eastern Washington, or is there a tougher draw at this point? I mean, I think it's between Montana, Eastern Washington, or Sac State, South Dakota State. The big difference is you have, on one end, one team that doesn't know each other at all. On the other end, two teams that know each other very well and absolutely despise each other. <laughs> so you never know what's going to happen with that game. <laughs> um, I think both of them, Montana got screwed with their draw. Um, 
I mean, they're, they're on a brutal side of the bracket. For one, their first game's Eastern Washington, who's in pretty much everyone's polls, a top five team and all the analytics, a top five team somehow did not get a seed. So you're looking at that, you're going, they're playing a team who is ranked at the exact same as them, basically. Then South Dakota State, they're kind of un, they were under the radar because of some of the close losses they, that they had. They should, they should have beat Southern Illinois. If they kicked that field goal, I think they had the momentum to go into that triple overtime or whatever it was, double overtime, and potentially win because they scored on Southern Illinois pretty easy. But they went for two and they failed, and that's a loss. Then this dumb punt. They should have punted against South Dakota instead of giving the ball out of bounds at the 40. So that changes everything. South Dakota State, if they won those two, you're looking at them being a top four seed. And Sac State has to play that team. So you're you're looking at two teams who definitely had potential to be seeds, and not just seeds, but top five teams if a couple of things went their way. Those two teams got a brutal draw for seeds. Um, I think everyone else would rather have the team that they're playing versus the team Sac State's playing or the team Montana's playing. I'll just say that. I think that you are spot on, my man. Jamie, any other uh, fringe ones? Did we get those all right, or what do you think? I think you all nailed it. I mean, obviously, the other one to look at for a tough draw uh, for this week would be in East Tennessee State against Kennesaw with the way Kennesaw State's played lately. I feel yeah. like i got to give Kennesaw some credit since I've been bagging them all year. So uh, I'll, I'll flip the script there and give them a little credit. Uh, Kennesaw is looking, looking quite good. Yeah, that's going to be a fun game. Run game, slugfest, defensive. That should be a lot of fun to watch. So it's going to be great. Make sure you guys have your ESPN fired up and good to go because it's going to be a great weekend of FCS football. And that being said, guys, that completes our big seven questions. Thank you so much to the fans that submitted those on our Facebook page. And now it is time to get to my favorite segment, the quick hit questions of the week. Just because your question is answered quickly doesn't mean we don't care. These are the quick hit questions of the week. All right, guys, time to hit our quick, quick questions. Got quite a few this week, some pretty fun ones here. Just got to start with Brian Thompson. He wanted to ask a nice little troll question about Jacksonville State. Brian, I got to I gotta push you towards the State Hockey Podcast, part of the FCS Fans Nation Network that's available here on YouTube. Make sure you guys subscribe to us. Um, so unfortunately, not going to talk Jacksonville State. They're CUSA now, right? They're gone. They're, they're out of the wings. Get them out of here. So... Uh, but let's move right into... I got to say uh, my OVC tweet was pretty good, though. Yeah, yep. The only issue the OVC ever had for getting upset was it was Jacksonville State, right? That's right. Skyhawks did just fine. So let's move into Mr. Joshua Hoffman's question here. Um, I will take this one, guys. He wants to know, is there any way to scratch Thanksgiving week games? Attendance across the board was awful. I just got to break it to you, Josh, in, in my opinion, and I think I've tweeted this before, outside of four, maybe five schools and HBCUs, that attendance is just always probably going to be bad. Um, I don't think it's always going to be elevated, maybe outside of a semifinal game. It, the playoff field, unless you took it down to 16 or something, there's no way to really push it or move it anyways, because then you're going to push into Christmas weekend for a semifinal, and that's going to be even worse for what uh, ESPN and the FCS wants for a really good environment for a semifinal game. So you're kind of just, S we're kind of SOL in that realm, but you're a South Dakota State fan, I know. SDSU fans shouldn't feel bad about their attendance because if you put it up against everybody else who's not Montana, North Dakota State, Montana State, HBCU, um, the, all the attendance was bad. So just is what it is, and we'll see what it looks like for numbers next week. 
one quick thing on that. If you go check out what Sam Herter posted, he posted the uh, attendance from the last regular season versus yesterday, and it was, was about I don't know, 45 to 50% of, of the attendance in basically every location except Incarnate Word, who had more more fans yesterday than the end of the season. So good good on them. So I just want to yeah. add that in. They must have had some, a lot of Stephen F. Austin fans there too. They were, Stephen F. Austin fans were loud. So that's cool. Um, yeah, it's never, it's never easy on a Thanksgiving travel weekend and other factors, but to the fans who did show up, that's awesome. Your diehards keep it up. So, uh, Kyler, I'm going to toss this one to you. This is a good one here from Glenn Shmaso. Sorry. I, I know I butchered that last name. I always do. He says the big sky has three seated teams. Number four, Sac State got a tough opponent. Number six, Montana got Eastern again. The highest seed, Montana State. Um, they got Cakewalk UT Martin, but could have been Missouri State. Something seems up with that tournament selection setup. Is there a conspiracy here, Kyler? Is the Big Sky getting screwed or shafted, my man? Yep, they're absolutely getting screwed, but it's not because it's a committee thing. It's because <laughs> of the parameters that are set forth when you're doing this bracket. Guess what? The Missouri Valley had six teams. The Big Sky had five teams. Those teams are going to be paired against each other. Both of those conferences definitely got the toughest matchups in the first two rounds because at the end of the day, those are the two closest regional you know, uh, conferences to each other. You're going to get these types of teams. And then also because both conferences are a little bit large, you're going to have teams that play each other. So the Big Sky, they're going to play another Big Sky team. Missouri Valley, they play another Big uh, Missouri Valley team. It's They are always going to be screwed if they keep performing well in the regular season because of the um, basically the, the proximity to each other. Um, there's a regionalization with the playoffs. Unless we seed one through 24, you're just going to see this happen every single year. The CA it's happened to the CAA before. Now they get a little bit easier because they're on the East coast. They get the regional matchups, but the Missouri Valley, look at their brackets. It's, it's not much easier. It's still pretty difficult. So, yeah, when 11 teams come from two conferences and those conferences are some of the only conferences west of the Mississippi, it's going to be tougher. Geography affects it for sure. Uh, Kyler, you're not getting off the hook here, my man, because Wes Griffin here says a couple seasons ago when Eastern lost to NDSU in the championship game, a fella from UNI told me that any given year, UNI would beat Eastern Washington and they'd beat them badly. Um, so he wants to know, does that guy still feel that way now? Uh, I will say this, right? Wasn't was Eastern? Were they one and six against you and I or something like that? Was the the record or something? But now it's two and six. So, but why why would somebody feel that way when Eastern is like an established program? Probably just because of the the va valley perception that you know the big fluffy is the big fluffy, right? There's no defense played in the big fluffy, but five of the top twenty five scoring defenses are in the Big Sky, or four of them. Same with total defense. The defense is getting better in the big sky, but um, yeah, probably just because of a little bit of the history. But the last couple of games we played them, it's been close and we beat them the last time we played them anyway. And then we didn't play them in most of our deep years when we went to the semifinals because you and I was already out of the playoffs. So no, most of the time this last decade, you and I wouldn't have beat Eastern. We would have beat them a handful of times. But yes, in the 80s, 90s and all these other years, you and I would have spanked Eastern like they did. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely that Valley rah-rah mentality. But guess what? Eastern's the winners, and they're not sitting at home next week. So heading to Montana. Jamie, this next one is about Eastern. I know we just can't get off the Eagles here, but hey, people, we, we're guided by fan questions. So 
Joe Gass, an awesome Delaware fan, he wants to know, does Eastern Washington have a legitimate complaint, though, about the short week, you know, playing at Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, um, and considering Montana had that bye, and now Eastern's got to go on the short week, and they got to travel. Um, what does that look like? Do you feel any mercy for those teams who've got to play Friday? Is there any excuse there? No, I don't think they got a a, a bad rap or anything, or, bad, or what do you call it, a legit complaint? No, I mean, that's the schedule. I believe there are other sporting events at Montana that force the game to Friday. Um, the complaint, I guess, could be with the committee that Eastern should have had the seed instead of Montana. Um, I could, I could buy that. Um, you can make that argument, but you know, somebody's got to play Friday. I mean, Holy Cross has the same thing going to Villanova. Um, usually, if you look at one of the semifinals, you know, you get the quarterfinals. A lot of one on Saturday. There's usually a Friday semifinal. Somebody's got a short week. It just it is what it is. You you play the game that's on your schedule when it's on your schedule, um, and be glad that you're still playing and not sit at home like Delaware. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, Joe. Poor Joe. Oh, Joe. Uh, the and the only people get screwed on the Friday game, especially the semis, is because of tickets. And you're not screwed because the semifinal game on Friday. You're screwed because the FCS Fan Station crew we bought all the general admission tickets in the entire stadium. So we own them all. So if you guys want tickets, you have to go through us. They are $500 a pop. So um, next one here, guys, I got to take this one. Mr. Garth Rauschenberg wants to know how many perfect brackets are left after the first round. Okay. So we are running the FCS fans nation playoff bracket. Currently it's a challenge. We got just over a hundred brackets. Thanks to everybody who submitted those. And it is zero, zero perfect brackets all most okay mostly because of ut martin out of just over 100 brackets five of them picked ut martin to beat missouri state everybody <laughs> else had picked the bears and of those five who picked martin four had florida a&m advancing so that busted their brackets and the other one that actually had southeastern louisiana they had picked USD and Stephen F. Austin. So unfortunately, at this point, um, I, you guys heard me last podcast in the spring. All I did was brag about my perfect bracket all the way to the end. That is completely destroyed. Well done, UT Martin. <laughs> you took everybody's uh, hopes and dreams away. So there we go. Um, I guess I'll answer this next one to Mr. Vincent King. He writes, it's a terrible tournament and a regional one at best. That was his comment on our, on, on our questions. Uh, Vincent, I can tell by your profile, you're a Mercer fan. So I'm guessing you're not happy that you guys weren't included, but I will give you credit. The committee self-admits it is a regional tournament. So um, I don't think it's terrible. We all wish it was seated completely across the board. Uh, but yes, it is a regional tournament, Vincent. So uh, moving on, guys, um, this is really cool. Kyler, I think I know your answer, but I want you to say it just one more time. Um, if you could switch positions for teams in the bracket to make a dream matchup, what would you change? Which ones would you switch around if you if you could, Kyler? Um, to make a dream matchup, or just for my team to, to have an easier well, path? No, no, no. If you... <laughs> like, so that's, like that's the question. Do I want do I want a matchup I want, or do I want to go in Villanova's place and play Holy Cross? You're damn <laughs> yeah. right, I want to play Holy Cross. I, I think I think we're gonna get our dream scenarios anyways. If you wanted me to, I'm gonna I'm gonna lead you into what I, I would love for you to say. But I you know I think we're gonna see like JMU Montana. I think we're gonna see a JMU NDSU, which are like some cool dream scenarios. But like you always talked about Southeastern Louisiana, right? And Eastern and the high flying offense. Like 
that'd be that's got to be one of yours if you had to switch them around isn't it yeah i would love to see that um game but no i i would rather be where villanova is give me holy cross (laughs) (laughs) so give me holy cross and the winner of south dakota state and sac state i'll take my odds with those yeah give me villanova i'm not playing this dream thing screw all these teams in the bracket y'all suck give me villanova seed Kyler, Kyler, hey, Kyler's with Vincent King. There you go, Vincent. Kyler, he's sick of the geography. He wants to hook up every now and then. Could have got a San Diego or something. So I wish. uh, Charlie, some dream scenarios for you, my man. Um, Kyler has mentioned many times that Southeastern Louisiana, Eastern would be really cool. But I really do think the bracket is set up to where we're going to see like that Sam Houston play the, the brunt force, heavy defense montana state i think you're going to get like a jmu ndsu i think you're going to get south dakota state taking on the best of the big sky and the caa title winner co-share so i i think the bracket is actually set up pretty well for us to see those things which is cool so um noah has a second question here for us guys um and our final quick hit one before we get into some predictions jamie which of the top three seeds if any has the biggest chance of losing this week so no cop out if you had to pick from the top three, James Madison, NDSU, Sam Houston, who's got the best chance of being upset? Well, I'm not picking my team. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's NDSU. I, I think it's NDSU. Probably is. I was gonna say I, I was gonna say Sam, but I don't think Incarnate Word can hang out with them. Just the fact that Illinois has proven they can beat the Bison and they've seen them, you know, year after year, it's nothing new to prepare for. I think that's the one that would have the biggest chance, but I mean, it's, it's like saying a 5% chance versus a 10% chance versus a 18% chance. It's not like it's 50, 50 on any of those three games, in my opinion. Yeah. I think the easy answer there is just, you never want to play your conference opponents um, playing them twice as tough. So that may benefit NDSU a little bit because of the rotational yeah. scheduling. They didn't play Southern Illinois this year, but you definitely don't want to play conference opponents. No way. So all right, guys, that completes us for our quick hit questions. Thank you to everybody who submitted any. And now it is time. We are not just going to predict one game like we normally do with a game of the week. It's time to do some playoff predictions. Are these predictions because we're smart, because we're dumb, or because we're biased? It may be a combination of all three. Welcome to the playoff prediction segment. All right, guys, pull out your best fcs mine we're going all the way down as we have eight games this coming weekend and that's going to get us to our quarterfinals and our elite eight so we'll take these one by one we can have a little bit of argument if we disagree but jamie will start you off with what we believe is a simple one we have holy cross at number five villanova that is going to be on friday at 7 p.m eastern who do we have as a winner there jamie uh villanova 38 to three Big time blowout. I'll yeah. take Villanova 39 to 2. So, no, I'm just kidding. About Villanova big. Kyler, you in on that one or are you pulling upset? Yeah, Villanova by whatever they want. Probably 24 points, something like that. Big win for Villanova across the board. Uh, Kyler, I'll, we'll save you for last since this is your team. But Eastern Washington is traveling to number six, Montana. Again, a Friday game, 9 p.m. Eastern. Um, I love what Eastern's done this year. I think they should have been seated. I don't see them going into Montana and getting the win. I think that's a big factor. I think Montana's back. I, um, Of course, I picked Eastern to lose originally in the regular season, so maybe I'll be wrong again. But I'll pick Montana. 
I'll pick them to win um, 34 to 31. Give me some crazy close insane game. Jamie, what do you think? This team's coming to the Dukes, possibly. So I am not yet ready to bet against Eric Berry. I, I'm just not. And I mean, honestly, I would, re- I want to play Eastern Washington just because it's a team we've never played. And I think that'd be fun. But I, either way, I, I think Eastern Washington wins the game very close, very similar to what we already saw. 27 26. That's why it's just, it's, it's close. Ooh, heart attack, man. Even an old guy like myself, I'm going to stay up for that one. Oh, uh, <laughs> Kyle, Kyler, what do you got, man? Your squad going to Montana. So I ran all the numbers. Um, I don't know if you saw my analytical posts. I'm a, I like I stats and you know, analytics, Eastern Washington. This is a fun game because the strengths match up with the strengths. The weaknesses match up with the weaknesses. That is the big, like there's, there's no strength that Montana has that matches up with an Eastern Washington weakness. And there's no Eastern Washington strength that we have that matches up with their weakness. It's strong versus strong weak versus weak. Um, but there's more favorable matchups when you look across the board on the offensive and defensive side of the ball that favors Eastern over Montana. The big difference is special teams absolutely blows out the door. So it's going to depend on field position. So everything that I just said, take it out the window because it's a rivalry game and no, nothing matters. Um, but we're going to go with Eastern Washington because I'm not going to pick Montana in any freaking game that's on a podcast live. Go, <laughs> go screw yourselves. All right. I'm the only one sticking with the Grizz. Uh, good luck to your squad health and uh, hopefully a good clean game between those squads. So that was right. pure bias pick. Pure no, bias. That's no okay. logic. Hey, that's why I built that little uh, intro segment. So we have those cop-outs, right? Everyone goes, you're dumb. Be like, we told you we're dumb. We put it in the segment. So, all right, guys, Southeastern Louisiana at number three, James Madison. That'll be a Saturday game at 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, All right, Kyler, you get to pick Jamie's game first. What do you think? Well, I already mentioned in the beginning, James Madison really struggles versus dual threat quarterbacks. So this is going to be the upset of the year. Um, nope, I can't do it. Jack, uh, James Madison, they beat Southeastern Louisiana. I think it's going to be like a 48 to 28 type of game. I think, um, towards the end, they just kind of impose their will. Uh, maybe it's going to be competitive for a few quarters, but I think James Madison's just going to impose their will. Yeah, I think I, I'm not sold yet to take a team with a total defensive ranking so low and so unbalanced of Southeastern Louisiana and putting them against the balance of James Madison. I've had a few JMU fans reach out to me and I've, I've been DMing them in Twitter privately. And they've been like, I don't know. I'm kind of nervous about this one. And I'm the voice of reason where I'm like, stop, just relax. Uh, yeah. James Madison, 38, um, Southeastern Louisiana, 21, something like that. Jamie, what do you got, my man? This is your squad. I'm, I'm, I'm so curious where you're going to go. I mean, you guys know me. I'm never going to pick against my team ever, especially in the playoffs. If you're going to, and you're going to make me pick playoffs, which I usually don't do for any of my teams because I'm superstitious, but I'm not going to pick against my team. I don't think we're going to lose anyway. Um, looking forward to meeting you, Danny. Um, hope you enjoy your trip to Virginia up until two o'clock on Saturday. Um, but I, I, I think our defense is too much. We've got enough offense, uh, 44. Hmm, should be interesting. So we still have faith. Southeastern Louisiana gets some points. But across the board, GMU, moving into our fourth matchup, guys. Kennesaw is going to number seven, 
ETSU. Should be a fun matchup. Um, guys, I am going to go with the... Oh, I really want it to be Kennesaw. I'm going to go ETSU, though. I'll, I'll go ETSU close, but I really want it to be Kennesaw. I would love for them to come to the Dome just because I like the Owls. I like the colors. I like their fans. Um, so, But I'll take ETSU in a close one. I'll take them like 24 to 21, close and low. Kyler, is an upset brewing or ETSU going to roll? Well, let's talk about a real thing that happened today. Before I got on this podcast, there was loud noises outside. I look up. On my telephone pole, there's a giant owl. If that's not picking, I don't know what it is. Yeah, it was yelling at me. It was trying to eat my dog. At least that's what it looked like, my little dog. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go with the owls just because if I piss that thing off, it's probably going to eat my little dog, and then my wife's going to be real pissed. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the owls, they're going to win this game. Oh, man, you're going with the Matt Frazee and Frisco. Rabbit in the backyard. <laughs> yeah, prediction. <laughs> Uh, Jamie, what do you got, man? This is a, this is a tough call. What do you got? I mean, flip a coin. I think we're going to see a lot of rushing yards, but I've been very consistent of how much I love Quay Holmes. He's the difference. ETSU 27, Owls 24. Going to be fun. Going to be close. Hopefully we'll see how it plays out. Uh, moving on to the team. Everybody likes to hate on. Incarnate Word here, guys, playing uh, at number one, Sam Houston, 3 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. Uh, what do you think there, Jamie? SHSU going to advance and survive? There's going to be a lot of people that you'll see throughout the week that will tell you that Incarnate Word will be able to keep up with Sam Houston. And they might for a half. But I think there's a track record at Bauer Stadium, and I think that track record continues. Sam Houston, 38-28. Uh, over incarnate word yeah i just think we have too much evidence that sam houston's defense is not something that's going to get carved up i don't care about shrink the schedule i've seen them in the spring sam houston uh give me 40 to 24 something like that closer but won't feel close as it plays out kyler sam houston getting upset this weekend they're probably not but one thing i will say is um they played one high flying offense earlier this season and that was Central Arkansas. It was actually a pretty competitive game until the very end when Sam Houston was able to impose their will. But Central Arkansas had success throwing the ball against Sam Houston. I think Ward, I think he's a young guy. I think he's a stud of a quarterback. I think he's still about another year before we see that peak potential. So I think he's going to have some success more than he had last year versus Sam Houston. But I don't think it's going to be enough. I'll, I'll go with a 42-28 to 28 type of a game, something around there. Man, looking good. Not a lot of difference here. We might have some coming up in these last couple games. Guys, Southern Illinois traveling to number two North Dakota State, 3.30 p.m. Eastern kickoff time. That is coming Saturday. What do we think? SIU over North Dakota State. This is my team, so I guess I got to go last. Kyler, what do you got? Just like I'm never going to pick Montana to win, I'm not going to do it with North Dakota State. You know, I got a Saluki here. If this is not an omen, I've never had a Saluki helmet in my house before i have one the same year the salukis beat north dakota state blew them out of the water if that's not an omen i don't know what is we're going with the crazy upset that is 99.9 percent .9 not going to happen just mainly so i can hear trolls from ndsu fans saying kyler you're stupid you know what i'm rooting for the salukis so i'm going to bet on them too i'm going to put 55 cents down and bet on them to win 
I don't know what's happened, folks. I'm trying to I'm trying to say a few things about numbers and stuff. Kyler's pulling the Matt Frazy around here. He's no betting logic. Off, he's betting off animals. <laughs> no logic. <laughs> Helmets. <laughs> straight emotion. Uh, yeah, he's pulling a mat right now. Uh, Jamie, what do you got? SIU yep. and next thing, next thing you know, he's going to picking based off which one has the cuter quarterback too. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's I only Eric use Barrier. that as semis. That's Eric my, that's Barrier semis. wins that award all the time. That's right. Good Stud. looking dude. Um, you know, I, I would love a semifinal game at home, so I'd love to see NDSU get beat. But I think we have seen, you know, you, to beat NDSU, you've got to start strong, start fast. Unfortunately for uh, Southern Illinois, we've seen them start slow and fall behind early in a lot of games. I think that's a bad recipe for them. I think NDSU gets out two scores early and just holds that off just enough throughout the rest of the game where we get a 31 to 20 type of game. Uh, Bison win. Yeah, it should be a fun one. I just uh, I think SIU is a good team. I think they've done a lot. I don't think NDSU and the players and coaches have forgot the embarrassment in the spring. I think it's almost like a revenge game to them. But take away like the mental stuff that I usually bring up. Um, am I sold that SIU who beat UND by three, beat Western Illinois by one, lost to Missouri State by 10, lost to UNI, overtime victory over South Dakota State, which is just like almost like USD-ish, where it's like that's your one big accomplishment really for the year um lost to youngstown really bad is that the type of team that's going to walk into the dome after a bye week and get the upset maybe, maybe. I mean, did it. yeah maybe but i i just don't see it i think you just got to be some consistent fiery team to come through with the victory so um, i got the wrong banner up here but i'll take north to go to state and i'll take it 28 to 13 so um here we go guys ut martin at montana state there we go can ut martin pull up another upset I'm just going to go quick and easy. No, Montana State's going to win that game, and they're going to win uh, 27 to 6, kind of like a big shutdown for them. So, Jamie, what do you think? Montana State getting upset by the Skyhawks? No, uh, I, Montana State, I think uh, Infante's had an extra week to get healthy. I'm thinking probably 30 to 10, Montana State. Kyler, what about those Bobcats, my man? Yeah, I, I think their front seven is just going to be way too much for UT Martin. Their front seven is way better than Missouri State's, in my opinion. Uh, I think it's going to be maybe a... I don't think Montana State's going to score overly too much. I think it's going to be like a 21-7 to or 21-9 to type of game. Should be interesting. Good luck to UT Martin, just because it would be a fun continuation to you, but we'll see how that game plays out. Final one here, guys. South Dakota State at number four, Sacramento State, Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern. A very late kickoff here. Uh, What do you think there, Kyler? You kind of did a pretty good breakdown here. SDSU going to keep rolling or Sac State going to get this win? Yeah, this has nothing to do with my breakdown. So I picked James Madison. There's a hat there. I picked Southern Illinois. There's a hat there. I picked Eastern Washington. There's a hat here. That's not green for North Dakota State. That is Supersonics. They're coming back. And I got a hat right here. We are picking the Jackrabbits to defeat Sac State. So then we can tell Sac State that Eastern Washington is the big sky champs because they already beat the team you lost to, you bums. Schedule Montana State, schedule Eastern Washington, schedule Weber State. Oh, man, too good. Jamie, what do you think? The Jackrabbit's going to keep on running? Uh, I think people are going to look at this game and say, look how South Dakota State ran through UC Davis. They're going to do the same thing to Sacramento State. They're getting healthy. Um they're going to do some of the same to Sacramento State, but not to that level. I think we're looking at a much closer game. But based off of 
what I said earlier, third down, red zone. I'm going to give South Dakota State a slight edge and say they win somewhere in the 30 to 24 range. Close game, but uh, South Dakota State moves on and pulls uh, the seed upset. I will go opposite of you guys. I just... It's not going to bite them quite yet, maybe. I don't know, but I just really think we're undervaluing how good Sacramento State is, and I think uh, I think Villanova, who likely Sac State or SDSU will see the next week, as well as being undervalued. So I think Sacramento State, with their ability to stop the run and contain with that front seven, is going. They're not just going to be able to run right up the middle. Um, I, how many more tricks can South Dakota State pull out with these plays and things too? I know they're a good team, but it is different when you travel in the playoffs and you have to go to California and make a long trip. So um, I think I don't feel great about it, but I'll take Sacramento State. I'll take it close. I'll go like 27 to 21, something like that. So, all right, guys, that completes our picks. We will see how they play out. Good luck to your brackets. And that takes us into our finale. So, Jamie, any big plans? Are you going out to the game as we t- end our podcast here? Yep, I'm we heading to Harrisonburg uh, Saturday. Uh, hopefully, I'll have a minute or two to catch up with Danny as he travels in from uh, Hammond, USA. Um, coming up to Harrisonburg, so like I said earlier, I hope Danny has a great visit to the Commonwealth, um, except for the three hours during the game. Safe travels up, safe travels back. I'm looking forward to the game. Uh, being in the stands again should be fun good luck to all everybody's teams hope for good health and everything one more uh, thing i'm just going to put it out there now before uh while we're still recording i will not be on the podcast next week i'm saying that before the game so i will not be here next week um unfortunately uh just putting that out there so just just in case anything funky happens people can't make any accusations yeah, we definitely, if you, if James Madison loses, we definitely won't say something all next podcast. Like he, t- he left, he bailed, you know, we definitely won't do that to you, man. So don't okay. worry about that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Hey guys, if you do want to listen to us next week and beyond, make sure you hit that like, hit that subscribe button on YouTube and all the podcast platforms, whether it's Apple or Spotify, make sure to follow our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and subscribing on YouTube. We enjoy your guys' questions and engagement, and it's what keeps this podcast going. So for Kyler, Jamie, myself, ladies and gentlemen, moving into the playoffs, we are getting closer to that glorious date down in Frisco. So round two is over. We now have playoff seeds, and it's time to see if we can see a true upset happen this weekend. So enjoy the playoff chaos, and we will see you guys next week. Boom. Thank you for listening to the FCS Fans Nation podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on your preferred listening platform, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, or even YouTube. And make sure to follow our FCS Fans Nation social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for listening to the premier podcast for FCS football. Boom. I have a little little rough here. (laughs) Solid. Baby root beer.